Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe Shasky, as always, here for episode 73 of the podcast. 73, Shasky, did you know that Patrick Bailey has struck out 73 times this season? No, I thought you were going to go Barry Bonds 73. That was, no, Barry Bonds at 73 was pretty cool. But I'm going to go with Patrick Bailey 73 because he <laughs> did not strike out in the bottom of the fifth inning last night against the Braves, had a bases-clearing double. Uh, so it was the Giants' first, like, three-run double or something since, like, the beginning of the season or some ridiculous long time ago moment like that. But, uh, yeah, he did not get that. Uh, he got the double last night, put the Giants up 6-3. to three, And uh, it seems like the, the Giants' official slogan this year is nothing like it. But I feel like the unofficial slogan has to be, thank God for Patrick Bailey. Because how many times are we starting off this podcast talking about something that Patrick Bailey did that basically saved our mood from the past week? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's there's no doubt about it. I mean, Patrick Bailey, if we were looking at one thing to point to in terms of optimism... Uh, just in the in the regime, in where we're at, um, what they can build with moving forward, it has to be number fourteen, Patrick Bailey. It really has been. No, again, it's like every week we're talking about something amazing that he did, whether it's a walk off home run or a guy he threw out or a big hit he got against the Braves last night. He really has been the the, the crown jewel of this giant season, and it is a a credit to uh, this organization and to Farhan Zaidi, who I really want to talk about really quick. Um, because obviously uh, we, we didn't record last week. Uh, I was on vacation last week. I was up at uh, in Point Reyes, staying at uh, my family's place in Inverness. And uh, didn't have a laptop. I forgot my charger, so I couldn't really browse on the internet as much. So I had to do a lot of thinking. And uh, spent a lot of time thinking about the Giants and kind of where things are at right now. And kind of where things are at with Farhan Zaidi. And I want to start off this podcast really kind of diving into some of my thoughts here. So I'm going to kind of go on a bit of a monologue here. Um based kind of where things are at and kind of why I was really in on Farhan for a while and why things are kind of changing there. So before you, before you begin. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty crappy month of Giants baseball. It's been one of the crappier months in a long time. I really cannot remember, you know, what? I actually can remember a month that was uh, just as crappy. And it brings me back to kind of how I want to start this thing, which was that last crappy month okay. was September of 2018. And that's kind of where I want to start this thing because Back at 20, at the end of 2018, the Giants really felt like they were a million miles behind the rest of the league. 
you know, like all of Major League Baseball is in fast forward and the Giants like in rewind. You go back and look at the offensive numbers from that 2018 season. And if the Giants weren't in last place in a category, they were either, you know, second or third worst in the league. And I'll always remember the, the second to last day of that 2018 season. I had to work on that last day. That second to last day of that 2018 season, uh, my friend and I, we were at the, the Giants-Dodgers game that day at Oracle Park. The, Giant, the, the Giants lost 10-6. to 6. It felt way worse than that. And I remember sitting, I was sitting in the view level, looking out towards center field, and it, we were Dodger Stadium North that day. I'm looking out at that behind that 421 sign, and it's the 415 sign, and it was that whole stupid Pantone 244 Colt taking over out there. And the Giants lost, and there's more cheering than booing. And it just felt like this is rock bottom. This team is lost. It's old. They're going nowhere. They look like they have no idea what they're doing out there. Something needs to change. And you look at the Dodgers, and they really had everything that we as Giants fans could have wanted. They had superstar players. They had a farm system cranking out players. They just they looked like they were never going to be bad again. The term I always used for them was they were a death star. They still are a death star. And the Giants needed to catch up. And I thought they made the right move to do so when they hired Farhan Zaidi. It, it really, at the time, it really felt like a home run hire when the Giants brought him in. You know, like, like if Andrew Friedman is, is Grand Moff Tarkin on the Death Star, then Farhan Zaidi was, was Orson Krennic, you know, the guy who helped build the Death Star in Rogue One. You know, like there's, there's only two right, guys. Time out, time yeah, out. That's what I'm going with there. There's time out. Krennic uh, was such a better villain than whatever Farhan's been as a GM. But well, I get the analogy. You get my analogy. You know, like, like, like Tarkin Krennic was a great bad guy. Krennic was helping out Tarkin set that Death Star up. I don't know. Maybe Krennic gets more of the, the, the credit that he deserves or less. You know who I would say he is? He's Darth Maul. A lot of hype, looked cool, and then got sliced in half before the movie even started. And we saw him for five we'll minutes. at the end. <laughs> but no, I, I, that's a good one there, too. That's a good one there too, but Keep I'm going, going with, get him. I'm going get with him. the Tarkin Krennic comparison because if there's really only two guys in the galaxy who know how to build a Death Star, Friedman was one of them and <laughs> Farhan Zaidi was the other. So it just made sense. If you want to build a Death Star, get a guy who knows how to build a step Death Star. And the reason why I was so excited about Farhan coming to the Giants was because he really came from this background of building up through the farm system and creating a long-term sustainable template of, of winning, much like the Dodgers had. You know, and you don't let your stars walk. But even if you do, you have guys to back them up. It's why the Dodgers let guys like a Cody Bellinger or Corey Seager go because they got like guys like James Outman or Gavin Lux, who again injured this year, coming up behind them. And so that was that was what I was excited for with Farhan. He was going to be bringing that mentality to the Giants because for the most part, the Giants it just they had a run from 2007 to 2011 where they were drafting really well. But it, it, overall, the Giants they weren't drafting at the level I thought the Dodgers were. Consider this, Shasky. It took Farhan Zaidi four and a half years after coming here to draft, develop, and debut a guy who we're all looking at and being like, whoa, this guy could be a dude. Of course, I'm talking about Patrick Bailey in that sense. It took nine years for Brian Sabian to do that same thing where he could draft, develop, and debut a guy who we all looked at as, a, as whoa, this guy could be a dude. And there I'm talking about Matt Cain. He drafted Cain in 2002. Had, you know, kind of had his, his cameo in 05, but really kind of hit the scene in 06. And that's where he realized we got something special here with this guy. So basically it took five and a half years for Sabian even to get to Matt Kane. And in that time, Farhan's already brought a guy up who we feel like we can build this team around. And on top of Patrick Bailey, there's like two or three other guys coming up through the system who we're also looking at as like, ooh, they could be kind of cornerstones for this team. And I'll be honest, like, I honestly think that Sfarhan so far has done a better job in the early going at, at drafting 
talent, finding talent in the draft than Brian Sabian did. Again, not taken away from the run that Sabian had, but on the whole, so far, I think Farhan has done a little bit better here. You know, for example, Shasky, I'm going to name a bunch of players here. I want you to tell me which one you would rather have based off what you saw from them in their careers. Todd Linden, Todd Linden, Dan Ortmeyer, Gary Brown, Chris Shaw, Luis Matos, Jared Parker, Mac Williamson. If you take one of those guys based on what you saw from them, who, who would you take? Mac Williamson, Todd Linden, who? Jarrett Parker, Luis Matos, Chris Shaw, Gary Brown, or Dan Wartmeyer? Well, I think it's easy to say Matos because we've only seen like two months of him. Like that's who I'm going to roll with. But I, I mean, who knows? But no, but I mean, that kind of goes into my point, though. Luis Matos is far from a finished product right now. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, we, all, we already feel better about Luis Matos as an unfinished product than we ever did about any of the finished products that we saw the Giants bring up under Brian but, Sabian. But wait, like, wait, wait a minute. Is there only one way to build a team? Like Brian Sabian traded a, an established great player for the Giants in Matt Williams and got one of the greatest second baseman hitters in the last 50 years in Jeff Kent. Got a setup man in Julio Tavares. Got a lefty in Jim Poole. Doesn't he get credit for that? No, he absolutely does. But the reason he made that trade is because he had Barry Bonds to build around. Like, imagine if, if Barry Bonds had like asked out of the Giants after that 96 season, then maybe like the Giants traded him and then hired Brian Sabian and Sabian had to come here and didn't have Bonds to build around. Like, it's a completely different story they were talking about with Sabian where he would have probably had to rebuild the Giants through the draft. But he had a situation where back-to-back last place seasons coming in, you have this absolute temple of a baseball player that you can build around. It makes kind of rebuilding a team a lot easier when you have a guy like a Barry Bonds that okay. Farhan has never really had to operate with. And that okay. kind of gets to like when drafting to, to stock this team up, Farhan has already done more to end the outfielder, you know, the, the, the all-star outfielder drought than Brian Sabian ever did. And there's a lot of other great uh, uh, outfielders that he's got along here along with uh, Marco Luciano, along with Kyle Harrison. You also got the Vaughn Browns, the Grant McCrays, and you know the Wade Mecklers, Heliot Ramos. So many great, young, talented guys who are either going to be all-stars or really good, valuable role players. Or some of these guys might get traded for a future star at some point. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, the Giants look like an organization that is well-positioned to find, draft, develop, and debut talent uh, and, and have a roster full of homegrown players for quite a while. But here's where the problem arises. While I have little reason to doubt the ability of Farhan to really kind of find these talented players within the draft and build a team with them, I'm really doubting their strategy on how they want to win baseball games. You know, there's a lot of frustrations to be made about the opener, opener and the platoons, the inconsistent lineups. You know, while the opener has its uses, I look at the opener as kind of like a, a spare tire. It'll get you to where you need to go provided that where you need to go is within 50 miles and where you're going is also a tire repair shop to get a new tire put on. <laughs> and you're going at least 50 miles, you know, along the way. But if you're just driving around with a spare tire all the time, like, I'm sorry, you look like an idiot if you do that. It's bad for your car. It's just not, it's not a long-term option. And the Giants trying to use the opener as a long-term option, thinking that they can actually win baseball games with it consistently, like for a little bit, yes. Long-term, no, I don't agree with that strategy. You know, and I could tolerate these kind of strategies if they felt like they were out of circumstance. You know, like if the platooning was a result of just you need to do this, if the inconsistent lineup was because you have to do this. But I think this is just how Farhan really believes you can win baseball games. You know, he said he really liked this team's pitching depth back at the All-Star break. I didn't understand how he could possibly say that. Was he <laughs> posturing to kind of lessen the excitement for the over a potential dead deadline deal? Or is he being actually serious here? But 
if there was no deal, and this is where I really started to go south on Farhan is when he said that and then didn't make a deal at the trade deadline. You know, if there was no deal to be had, that's one thing. But I feel like there were deals to be had. And basically, though, if you truly believe that this roster could make a playoff run, you would have made a move. Like, I am a little old school in the fact that if a team plays well enough to make a playoff run, the general manager should reward that team by upgrading that team to make that playoff run easier to achieve and more feasible. And when you don't do that, you can't say, oh, it's because we believe in the guys we have. No, you believe in the guys you have by dipping into your prospect capital and adding to the team that you have to show these guys, hey, I believe in you guys. This guy's going to help get you guys to where I believe you can go. And when you don't do that, I think you send the exact opposite message to your team. And before you go, I'm going to let you cook. I'm going to let you cook. Since the All-Star break, they have lost two out of three in six consecutive series, the Angels, the Rangers, Tampa, at, at Atlanta, at Philadelphia, Atlanta at home, and you can add in a two-game sweep by the A's. The Giants are 6-14 in their last 20, and four of those six wins came in the Giants' last at-bat. They have not had back-to-back wins. No, they have not. The 2nd of August, the second, uh, the 3rd of August. Yeah, that the Diamondback series. A month. They have gone a month without... Back to back streaks. It's insane. No, it's insane. And I think it's not a coincidence. Since the deadline. I think you could trade. I think it's no coincidence. You could trace it back to the trade deadline that when these things start to fall apart, if they're expecting reinforcements, then Farhan doesn't come through. Yeah. That's going to kind of piss me off as a player. And this is where I think the presence of Andrew Freeman really loomed large for the Dodgers. Now it's impossible to really know exactly how much Farhan, you know, was involved in the Dodgers day-to-day operations versus Friedman or Coletti or anyone else within that organization. But everybody with the Dodgers always raves about how great Farhan was and how creative he was and how great his ideas were. But it was Andrew Freeman who was making that final call and everything, which means that there were times when Farhan probably had an idea and Freeman said something like, hey, that's a great idea, Farhan, but we're going to go with this idea instead, which means some of Farhan's maybe not as great ideas were left on the cutting room floor that, you know, it, were, were left on the cutting room floor down in L.A. But now the Giants are at the mercy of these baseball strategies that Farhan is convinced will work that maybe once upon a time were left on the cutting room floor down in L.A., but are now being implemented here in San Francisco. And it makes me believe that Farhan, I mean, I don't think he's a Batman. I think he's more of a Robin. If Friedman's a Batman, you know, Farhan is Robin. Use a lot of, you know, uh, comparisons here. Farhan, he's Robin. He's Krennic. He's a lot of guys. But what he's universe also, am I in right now? You're in a lot of different universes, but you're also in the universe where Farhan is his own worst enemy. Like, this is a man who is very committed to his plan to build up this roster and win baseball games. Almost a little too committed. You know, you have to be ready to make adjustments to your strategy and he just really seems reluctant to do so. You know, you you can't be the smartest man in baseball but not make adjustments because smart people adjust to new information. You know, Bob Myers, John Lynch, they had plans of how they wanted to win uh, win games. But then Steph Curry broke his hand, and so Bob had to adjust. What do we do? Let's get D'Angelo Russell, flip him for Andrew Wiggins. John Lynch, he wants to win, but he can't really seem to figure out a quarterback. What do we do? Well, let's adjust. We'll bring in Christian McCaffrey and kind of offset things there. You just don't see that really happen with Farhan. Like, I look back to the 2021 offseason after winning 107 wins, 107 games, and they had a chance to either add Marcus Simeon or Corey Seager, and Farhan decided to sit back and be like, nah, man, it's all good. We got Crawford and Tyro Estrada, which I'm not against either one of those guys, but I'd rather have Marcus Simeon over both of those guys if we're being real here. Bring the local kid back, get some thumping in this lineup, get some star power into this lineup, but he sat back and did nothing because he is committed to doing his plan his way. And 
it's why now I am out on Farhan as wait. the president of basketball, baseball operations for wait, wait, the Giants. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Say that again. Wait, wait, wait. Here's your breaking you're news cooking. story. You're breaking news sounder. Sam Lubman is out on Farhan's idea at this moment because it's just it's become apparent that his ability to find talent is great. I have no doubt in his ability to find great baseball players and add them to this roster, but I just have a hard time believing it's going to lead to wins because there is a fundamental way to win baseball games that still matters. And the Giants are taking an approach that suggests that they can create their own rules and fundamentals. And that's just not how it happens. You know, like you could point at his mentor, Billy Bean, and saying, well, he went through something similar in how he tried to recreate the game with, you know, implementing that money ball philosophy. Here's the thing, though. One, Billy Bean saw success right away implementing his money ball philosophy. And two, that really was not that much of a money ball team back in 2002 because you had three stud pitchers in Zito, Mulder, and Hudson, as well as guys like Miguel Tejado and Eric Chavez in your lineup. You know, so... To say that, you know, Farhan's trying to recreate the game, it's, it's just not really what's going on here. What he's trying to do is he's he's implementing this philosophy of winning baseball games that it's not just failing to win baseball games, it's it's failing the players too. You're putting out you're not putting players in a situation to succeed, and you're creating a situation where players just don't want to come play here. Players don't want to be a part of this because they look at what's going on and they see this is a guy who's implementing a strategy that's going to take this team nowhere really fast. You know, hitters want to know what their roles are. And right now when the lineup is posted, it's it's like a little league team rushing to go see where they're going to be hitting in the lineup. Even your dog agrees he can't handle it. So it's just some some guys can be swing men. Not everyone can. It's the same thing with the pitching staff. Some pitchers can be swing men. Not everyone can. You cannot have an entire pitching staff full of swing men. But that's the way the Giants are trying to win baseball games right now, and it's just not working. Maybe they break through and make a playoff run this year or next year, and sure, that'll be fun, but but then what? Do you really trust Farhan Zaidi to upgrade this team when it needs to be upgraded? Sure, this team might be competitive at times. They'll win more baseball games than they can win or lose, and they'll give Larry Bear his dream of having those competitive games in September. But as long as Farhan Zaidi is operating the strategy to win baseball games, I just can't stand by and support him leading this team. You know, maybe things change. Maybe he adapts, evolves, and changes his tune and how to win. I just don't see it happening. You know, they're they're trying to win with principles that he's had for years. And yeah, I just I have little faith in them working now or down the line. So I don't think Farhan is the guy. And if the Giants do choose to move off of him after this offseason, I'd be down with that. You know, I'm what not they, say- like, let me ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. Let me let me let me cut you off. As my dogs went crazy, and I apologize for those on the podcast. The mailman showed up. Um, boil it down to one thing. What's the most frustrating part of the Farhan Zaidi experience in San Francisco for you? The thing that maybe you overrated heading into it, or you expect would be farther along. Like, what, what's is it a strategy that yeah, no, I hear, what's me, your number one frustration? Me, it's the wasted promise. Like when he got here, we, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like when Farhan came here, it felt like this is the birth of a new era of Giants baseball. Like it felt like the Giants were accepting that they were behind the times and needed to catch up with the rest of the league. Now, I know you have your, your qualms with data and baseball, but data is here to stay. People are going to be using data and analytics to make baseball decisions. But there is a line. And whereas if the Giants maybe weren't too analytically focused under Sabian, Evans, and Bochi, it's almost like they tried to overcorrect with Farhan and Kapler. And it's almost like now they're too analytically driven and they've lost their feel of the game. Like, that's the thing. It's the, it's the disappointment of you have guys so smart yet so clueless at the same time. Well, last Kapler, week, last yeah. week's a great example. 
Wade Meckler is just, and, and look, he's played a lot better the last week or so, but last week he's ice cold. I mean, I'm talking ice cold. And then coming out of the Atlanta series, you bring back up Matos after he's been gone for a week down in AAA. He goes two for five with a home run and looks good and puts together five good at-bats. You think he's in the lineup the next day? And that's no. the kind of that's the kind of nonsense that little bits here and there, that's fine. But it's all the time, though. It's just it's getting to the point where it's just in where the players are just they, they it feels like they've had enough. I'm at the Atlanta series this weekend. And I'm watching a team that's going through the motions. I'm watching Tyro Estrada swing first pitch popping up. I'm watching Jock Peterson half-ass his at-bats in the ninth inning. And then so I, I had to go into the Braves clubhouse and get sound for our Atlanta affiliate 680, the fan. And I'm listening to Brian Snicker talk. I'm like, this is a dude who has such a great feel for his team and what his team can do. On Saturday, post-game, we're talking to Austin Riley. And he's talking about how guys are holding each other accountable, really pushing each other. And how, you know, when the team like the Giants uses the opener, they just focus on their own strengths instead of worrying about what the Giants are doing. You don't see any of that in the Giants clubhouse. You don't see any, like, I don't feel like Gabe Kapler really has a feel for this club anymore. And I honestly, like, I, I, I resisted this, this, this theory last year, but I'm kind of falling into it this year. I feel like Gabe Kapler's lost this clubhouse. I really do. I feel like the message isn't sticking anymore and guys are just going to be playing out the string trying to, to get to 2024. It sure feels like me. He's defeated in these post-game interviews. He really um, is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually feel for Kapler. I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think he's the fall guy. I mean, I think he's being set up to be the fall guy. I don't think he's the reason why this team is, is, you know, underperforming as it, as it is right now. To me, the bigger issue is the roster. Like, what, what's the direction? Like, Yaz, okay, I'm listening. Yaz might come back. For what? He's 33. Oh, I don't get Hanniger back in the lineup too soon. What? We're going to get Hanniger back in the lineup soon too, so we're good there. For what? Yeah. For who? I, I assume he's going to play well at baseball. I don't know. I've yet to see it. But, yeah, that's where it's at the point. It's, it, I always said coming into this year, I want to feel better about the Giants at the end of 23 than I did at the beginning. For the most part of this year, I have been. Now it's at the point where it's just like this team really feels like a, a ship without a rudder. Yeah. It's like they're, they're, they're stuck in these becalmed waters with nowhere to go. And they're, they're so hell bent on these baseball philosophies that just don't translate to wins. And I don't think he's going to adjust to these, these strategies at all. And that's what it's going to get us in this kind of purgatory loop here with the giants. And that's just, that's just not a sustainable model. You know, I found this column that uh, Andy McCullough wrote way back in 2017 about how Farhan became such a sought after executive. And there was one paragraph that really kind of stuck out to me. It said, like Friedman, Zaidi treasures flexibility. In conversations with Dave Roberts, he has debated the wisdom of rigid roles for relievers and a static batting order for hitters. The deployment of players, Roberts came to believe, should involve a daily assessment of the situation rather than an ironclad pattern. This is back in March of 2017 that this was written about Farhan. This is how he's always felt about baseball. But, and these are some of the ideas that are by projection. So this mm -hmm. is one of, and you got yeah. mad at me when I brought this up. When you haven't played at any level, I don't think you understand the emotional and psychological tool. Would you stop it? God, my dogs are driving me nuts. Knowing that you're going to bat third and play right field every day means something. Knowing that you're the seventh hitter and the second baseman every single day means mm -hmm. something. And there's something to be said for the psychological stability that that provides. Knowing that, hey, even if I go over four today, I know tomorrow I'm going to be in the lineup no matter what. Not the, oh, 
here comes a righty looking over my shoulder, looking over my shoulder. It's Am not I a sustainable there. No, you're right. And like, it's really, I, I'm telling you, dude, the game is played by humans. And I feel like we're reverting back to old school baseball. Look at who's at the top of every division, Texas, Houston, Philly, Atlanta. Uh, you, know, they're, you know, like Atlanta, old school principles. You really are seeing. And what I think kind of what happened was, at the end of 2018, I mean, everyone was hitting home runs in 2018. You look around the league, everyone had like three, four, 20 home run yes. guys. And the 2018 Giants were led by Evan Longoria's 16 home runs. So, I mean, everyone was doing something different. Now, I know the, the ball was juiced back in 2018. Home runs were a lot easier. Launch angle was big. It felt like the Giants were trying to catch up to that and kind of get into that long ball ethos. But now you're seeing it's the, the league is. It, it, it's shifting back to more of a putting the ball in play, yes. less focus on power, and it's like the Giants finally catch up to the rest of the league is doing only to see that the league is basically kind of regressing back to what the Giants were kind of doing when Bruce Bochy was here. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ironic in a sense and unfortunate, but this is where you need to see Farhan make those adjustments. And based on what I've been reading and seeing, the, the guy, he seems so hell-bent on proving everybody right that his way works, that you're going to drive this team into the ground to do it. It's, it's just you want to you know burn down the city just so you could rule over the ashes just to show <laughs> that you were right. And it's like, no, that's not how you win baseball games. And this is why this fan base and now me is completely out on Farhan's ID right now. Wow. I'm, I'm like shocked. So which direction are we going in? Where, I, what really do you want? I really don't know what the direction is right now for this team, because I do think that a playoff appearance is still theoretically possible. Legally, you can say they are in the playoff hunt right now. I do think they'll still win more games than they lose this year because, again, there's still talent on this roster. It's just being utilized poorly. So that talent's going to help you win games. It's almost like a battle of talent versus strategy. I honestly wonder, I think the Giants are going to extend Kapler and Farhan, and we're going to have to go through four more years of this nonsense. Or they're just going to get fired after next year because this is this is not sustainable. The only thing I'll allow for, and this is why I'm not going to call for Farhan to be fired, um, one, because I don't think it me it matters anything. I know Larry Bear is a, a passionate listener to this podcast, but he's not going to be saying, you know, oh, well, if I've lost Sam Lubman, then I've lost everybody like that. That's not going to do anything. But I do want to allow for the, the miracle that Farhan Zaidi after the season looks in the mirror and says, I need to change. And if that happens, then I think there's hope. If it doesn't, I think next time next year or this at the end of next year, we're wondering who the next president of baseball oper of, of operations is for, for the Giants. I think it's very unlikely he gets fired this offseason. If, if things don't change next year, though, then I think you're, we're looking at a very different story there. Any last thoughts before we move on there, Shasky? I think they're completely cleaning house. I think here's the thing, though. If we, One of the reasons why I was against a Farhan firing is I didn't really want to see this team have to start over again. But here's the thing. If they if this season ends and they fire Farhan and Kapler that first week of October, whoever they bring in to replace them, you're going to have far from an empty cupboard to work with. you got a lot of great talent in the upper minors right now and a lot of payroll room going forward. And you have Damn. a picture in the rotation in Logan Webb. So if they did clean house with this front office, whoever comes in next, you have a very uh, attractive plate to work Sam. with. Sam, the way we looked at Mike Nolan before Harbaugh came in, Oh, Mike Nolan's an idiot. Then Harbaugh came. I was like, you know what? Some of the guys that he drafted, uh, you know, they just maybe didn't hit their full potential with him, but but he had a pretty good eye for talent, him and McLuhan. But like he wasn't the right guy to lead them to the next chapter. I feel a lot like that situation here. Like yeah. I do think Kapler has some guy or Kapler. Farhan has some guys in the system that can be good. 
They need the right situation behind them, and they need the right people in that dugout who are going to allow them to struggle and stay in the lineup. Yeah, I do think Farhan Zaidi has a place in this game. I mean, he's been in the game for 20 years. You can't be in the game for this long if you don't know anything. I agree. I just he he does have value to bring. I just don't think he has value to bring as the main shot caller here. So yes. let's end this segment. One of the le- longest segments in Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys history.